Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for being here. We are in Zechariah chapter 8. It's uh, part of chapter 7 and 8 that make up four messages. Tonight we're going to see message 3 and 4. Uh, and within there are going to be, of these 3 and 4, are going to be 10, we'll just say, minor messages. Uh, of those 3 and, uh, like 3 fours, 3 and 4 messages. Uh, if you look on the notes, you can see chapter 8, verses 1 through 17 is the, is the first or the third message of chapter 7 and 8. And then verses 18 through 23 are going to be the fourth message or the uh, second message of this, chapter 8. Right here, this one, 8. Chapter one, eight, chapter eight, verses one through seventeen, is going to be dealing with the people and their return in five eighteen, BC, and God's attitude towards them. Uh, he's going to start talking about blessing them, prospering them, that things are going to go well with them, just as it, as as it went bad when they were disobedient. It's going to go well. This matches uh, Haggai. Uh, I think it's chapter two, verse nineteen. I've got it in the notes. On that very day, December December eighteenth, uh, five twenty B or excuse me, D- December twentieth, five eighteen BC, Haggai gave the message that God had always blown their crops away and left them desolate, but from this day forward was going to bless them, and that's the same message we're going to hear uh, in chapter eight, verses one through seventeen, talking about what's going to take place. But there's a purpose. God's going to restore them because he's got a purpose for them. He's working his way through the process of, we can say, salvation, uh, of restoring mankind. You know, first it's going to have to be, you know, Israel and Israel being obedient, the Messiah coming, and then them going to the nations. All the whole plan from Genesis 12, uh, God is going to bless Abraham so he can reach the nations or be a blessing to all the nations. Then, the second part down here... Uh, the fourth part of the message, or uh, the fourth message of the four, is going to be about the kingdom, the kingdom age. And just like they're going to be blessed beginning here with their return, there's going to be an ultimate return with an ultimate blessing taking place. Now, as we look on this, uh, the notes, uh, we can see the first bullet point, chapter 7. We've already gone through this, of course. Focus on Judah repenting and living righteously in response to their past. Remember the question is, this, this whole s- section, chapter 7 and 8, was in response to the delegation that came from Bethel that asked, shall we keep fasting in the fourth month like we have all these many years? And that question is not really answered until we get here into this fourth message. And in that fourth message, it's going to be, God's going to add three more fasts to that that they're they're actually practicing and says all these fasts the the one in the the what the fourth month the fifth month the seventh month the ten month uh it's on page four um all those fasts the tenth month the seventh month the fifth month the fourth month all those fasts when i get done with this plan god is saying those fasts are all going to be days of festivities they're going to be festivals uh, and they're going to not just include you, they're going to include all the nations. Everyone's going to be celebrating. No one's going to remember these days. Of fa- you're not going to look back and go, well, that was a tough day, because you're going to see what, 
those tough days have produced. Uh, the cycle that they are in, that we're going to talk about here is, is when we get into this, is, and it's nothing, nothing radical, is uh, the, the people, the Israelites, the whole cycle, is that they, are, they become disobedient, and so then they are punished, and they're punished by some other nation that's going to cause the problem, that's going to bring in and be God's hand of discipline, and Israel's punished, but then after they're disciplined by that nation, that nation is punished, and then Israel is restored for blessing. And that is exactly what took place right here. They went into captivity by the Babylonians. They were restored, and that's where they're at now. Now the nations are going to be disciplined. That's what those first visions included. And Israel now is going to be beginning in 518. They're going to begin the time of blessing. But this is going to cycle back because it's a cycle that just doesn't quit. They're going to end up being punished, and that's going to be, set, for example, classic 70 A.D. And then Rome is going to be punished, and it's going to continue until Israel's restored. And the cycle will continue until it comes into uh, the kingdom age. It's almost like we, we talked about cycles before with, you know, when is the Antichrist coming? I think the Antichrist, who is the Antichrist? The Antichrist is going to be the one when Jesus breaks the first seal or whoever's holding him back is taken out of the way. And so with that being said, Satan or God, could, there could be a variety of people coming and there could be, the, could be Nimrod. And that didn't happen. It cycled through. And then it could have been Nebuchadnezzar. And it, didn't ha- it could have been Pharaoh. And that didn't happen. It could have been Hitler, but it didn't happen. It could have been, and it's going to continue until finally... Who's ever preventing that, whoever's going to break that cycle, and then there he is, the Antichrist will come, when that, maybe when the first seal is broken, and the Antichrist will appear, and history will finish it up. Uh, it's just cycling. The same thing is true here. The people of God, in this case Israel, are going to be living under God's blessing and protection until they become disobedient. Then they're going to be punished by a nation or nations. Then those nations will be punished, and Israel will be restored for time of blessing until their sin overtakes their culture and they cycle back and it's just that cycle basically it's the cycle of the four generations over and over throughout in israel's history and eventually that's going to be broken the same time and they're going to go into the kingdom age and so what you kind of see that taking place right here uh in this case right here this first section is going to be talking about 518 the cycle is broken not broken the cycle is now restored and they're going to be blessed in 518 to get ready for the future but that's not going to be the final one then eventually in the future at the coming of the kingdom the millennial age we would call it they're going to be restored and that is what chapter 8 verses 1 through 17 is about is what's happening right now in 518 and then chapter 8 verse 18 through 23 is talking about the millennial kingdom and once we read those verses i'm sure you'll be able to see that but it's good not to get confused. And, and, and in chapter 8, verses 1 through 17, what is God talking about? He's talking about, he's, he's talking about Zechariah and his people right there that day. But it's got an overlap, especially the last section, chapter 8, verse 18 through 23, into the kingdom age. Now, in all those verses, all of chapter 8, 
there are ten, ten times, uh, uh, if they got it written down here, well, yeah, right there, there are ten minor messages. Just That's a nice way of, minor not mean they're not important. It's what makes up the whole section. There's, they each begin with, the Lord says, Yahweh says, or the Lord of hosts, or the Lord of armies says. And so there's going to be ten, within this, you've got ten messages. Uh, and they're, it's unique, and you'll see when you get in there, they're not like a date is given. It's just like the Lord says, the Lord of hosts says. And it doesn't say, he said to me, or he gave me a vision, or I was taken away. It's just, this is what the Lord says. And again, it's, it, I've got it there in parentheses, this, it's, which may have been sermons or lessons or messages Zacharias has been preaching. But now he's going to take all ten of these messages and just put them all together. This is what is happening as he, he's answered. They came to ask him a question. And he's going to now, in his process, his third answer is going to involve the first seven of these ten minor messages. And the fourth message is going to talk about, is going to include the last three. And so I, bro- I broke those down right here. Uh, and basically, you're reading the chapter, but I want to read these as individual points. Uh, and you can put them together, and we will string them all together. But, uh, for example, chapter 8, verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy. And that's an important point, meaning he is, he is passionate about Zion, about Jerusalem, which would include the people. Point number one, he is jealous, passionate. He had that zeal, will re- that, that jealousy, well, we'll talk about it, will cause him to punish the people who are messing up in Jerusalem and then punish the people who destroyed the people of Jerusalem and the city and then go out and find those people and bring them back to start it again. Meaning he's jealous for this right here. I want this to happen. And if you mess it up, I'm going to crush you. But now I'm going to crush the people who crushed you, and I'm going to bring you back because I can't leave you there because I'm jealous. I want this to happen. When you mess it up, I'm going to discipline you, but I'm always going to bring you. It's a, it's part, that jealousy is driving that cycle. It, again, you can hear me talk and hear me explain this, and if you, you, know, you can tamper it how you want to, but the Lord is the one who's using jealousy, and the Lord is the one that keeps destroying his people and burning down his temple and bringing them back. And so... There's something to that, and then we'll talk about that verse in James because we're going through James on Sunday, and there's a verse coming in James. We read it just is going through on Sunday, but it, it says Scripture doesn't say without a purpose that the Lord is jealous. His spirit is jealous, and He's jealous for you. So you look what happened to Israel. Now that same jealousy is on the church and the people that have come to Christ. You are now His. Oh, I belong to Jesus. Yes, you do. And he's jealous for you. And if you mess up, he's going to discipline you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, read the chapter 12 of, of uh, Hebrews. It's like he disciplines those he loves. Well, he loves me. He won't discipline. It, it says a father disciplines those he loves. If you're not disciplined, then you don't have a father. Or at least you don't have a father that loves you. Because if you have a father that loves you, he's going to discipline you. And you've got the ultimate father of God. So guess what? He's going to discipline you. Well, I don't really like that kind of God. <laughs> well, welcome to the Western world. Okay, chapter 
8, verse 3, the second, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Now keep that in context. Uh, has returned. And these are, this right now is that, that third message, which is 518. So in 518, he's saying, I am jealous. So when I, when I talk to you and say, I'm going to do these things, I'm going to do them. I already showed you my jealousy by sending you to Babylon, and now I brought you back. Because I'm jealous. I'm zealous for this. And then he says, I have returned. Oh, wait. Not, this is a message for 518. I have returned. Chapter 8, verse 4 through 5. Thus says the Lord of hosts. And again, Lord of hosts, that means the Lord of the armies. And it's talking about the spiritual armies. Now, if you want to talk about God's you know, bodyguard, you know, the cherubim. But I think he's, re, I mean, at least I'm going to consider, he's talking about all the powers that are in the heavenlies. Uh, the rulers and authorities in heavenly places that, you know, are in rebellion, whatever. He's the Lord of all the hosts, all the armies, all the, the battling that's going on. Uh, he's the Lord. He is, he's at the tippy top of the stack. And now he's saying, I'm working all of history for you. And I'm in charge of everything that happens. Thus says the Lord of hosts, old men and old women shall again sit in the streets, and he goes on and talks about, and the children shall live in the streets. And so now you've got the most, uh, I'll, I want to say the word vulnerable, but I can't spell it, so I'll say weak. The most weak in your society are sitting in the streets. The old men and women are sitting in the streets. The children are playing in the streets. So those are the, the, the peripheral parts of society, uh, and they're, they're roaming the streets, which means this is a great time of peace and prosperity. And this is 518. Now, again, you're going to see something similar in the, the fourth message when he talks about coming into the kingdom. But he's planning on doing this with Zacharias' people and Haggai's people. For, uh, eight six. thus says the Lord of hosts, it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant, meaning you're hearing me say this, and you're, you can't understand. You're, you're, and every, you know, you can imagine... Uh, someone saying something about our society today, how, you know, this is going to happen, the, the economy's going to turn around, and, and, you know, the Republicans and Democrats are going to all have the same vision, and they're going to live in peace, and, and it's like, and you'd go, yeah, no. And he'd God say, that's too marvelous in your eyes, isn't it? Well, watch, I'm going to do it. And so they're, they're hearing this in 518. I remember where they came from. 536, they came back. 538, they were released. By, by the time they get back, 536, lay the foundation, build the altar. And then for 20 years, well, five, yeah, it's been, yeah for, until 520, uh, they've had opposition. I mean, they, they, they don't have good jobs. They don't have an economy. The city's not built up. Obviously, the walls aren't built up until Nehemiah gets there. Uh, and everything's just kind of in turmoil, that, that, and, and they're struggling. And read Haggai. What they planted and expected much, they got little. Nothing's working. Uh, it's not safe, it's not productive, it's not financially beneficial. And so, then God says uh, in point four, marv, I'll just say marvelous, with a question mark. This sounds like too good to be true? Well, watch, in, right here, this time, 518, and we've already given you the date, in December uh, 18, 520, Haggai says, from this day forth, I'll bless you. It, it's, it's in the same same time period, I mean, same month, same, maybe the same, you know, camp meeting that they're having. Uh, chapter 8, verse 7 through 8, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, 
I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I'll bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And now he's going to gather the people. And, and this is what's taking place. We've had the first return here, but there's been other returns. And we have a return. We haven't even had Ezra. Now, we've started reading Ezra we, because Ezra's book, Ezra chapter 1, Ezra chapter 2, records these events. But Ezra's recording history. Ezra, Ezra does not appear until right here, uh, 464. Uh, this is when Ezra's going to start coming back. Ezra leaves Babylon in 458. So when it says, I'm going to gather the people from the west and from the east, it's like, well, I thought they already came back. Well, yeah, they came back. They've started, but there's going to be continuation. Even Ezra's going to bring a big group with him, and then Nehemiah's going to come. And so this, he's still in the process of bringing the people back. They're not, not everyone's back yet. And so he's saying, I'm bringing more people back. Okay. And then chapter 8, verse 9 through 13, thus says the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets. And the prophets would be, for example, Haggai and Zechariah. He says to these people, your hands be strong. You've got some work to do. Don't be thinking it's not going to work out because I'm telling you today things are changing. That's exactly Haggai's message. And now get strong, make your hands work, because what you touch now, we're going forward with it. Just like I sent you into captivity and you couldn't get anything to work, well, I brought you back now, everything's going to work. And then chapter 8, verses 14 through 18, For thus says the Lord of hosts, As I purposed to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me and I did not relent, meaning when your fathers provoked me, I told them I'm going to discipline them, I did it. Well, now I'm telling you just the opposite. He says, uh, So again, have I purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah, so fear not. It's going to work. I'll just say success. You can't even read it. Success right there. And it's like, what's he comparing it to? Well, just like I sent him into captivity because they didn't listen to me, and I told him it was going to happen, I've brought you back, and I'm telling you, I'm going to bless you. Now, it may be too marvelous in your eyes. You say, well, we don't b- really believe it. That doesn't matter. I'm going to do it. You know, you talk about faith. Faith causes things to happen. Well, for example, God says through Jeremiah, I'm going to send you into captivity. No one believed him. Oh, so it couldn't happen? It's like, well, no one believed him, but it happened. Well, the same thing here. God says, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to prosper you. And people, ah, it's too marvelous. That Jer- uh, or Zechariah, that's not going to happen. It's like, yeah, it is. But you've got to have faith. No, in this case, it's not a matter of faith. God is going to do this. Stand back and watch, and you can see that take place. So those are the first seven. Uh, Thus says the Lord of hosts. You can see those are seven messages kind of combined into one. It doesn't mean there's seven individual messages that came from somewhere else. We just don't know. It it may be just him rattling things off. I mean, they're all collected there, uh, but there's seven major points. Now, the last three now begin in chapter 8, verse 19. Thus, and now we're switching into the millennium, if we just use our terminology, the kingdom age. Now uh, the Jews would have uh, you know, mourned and came to Christ, recognized the one they pierced. They're now believers, uh, and, the second, and the kingdom has occurred, been set up. So chapter 8, verse 19, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, and all those, those fasts we'll talk about when we get there, uh, they're going to become now days of feasting. Now, when that's, that's an, in a sense, an answer to the question, should we keep on fasting? The basic question 
the basic answer to that question was, don't ask such a dumb question. What you need to do is be just, don't lie to each other, treat each other right, seek peace, uh, and, and stop oppressing the poor. That's the answer. That's what got you into trouble. Forget the fasting. You're just saying, oh, how sorry we are. Start doing these things and things like that. That's, that's the answer. And now comes, what about the fast? Well, here's how important the fasts are. Eventually, these fasts are going to become days of festivities. They're not even going to be remembered. So whatever you do with the fast, that's fine. It, but it's like, I'm more interested in your character. And as far as the fast, <laughs> I'm going to turn them into festivals anyhow. So whatever you want to do, in other words, there's really not an answer except kind of almost like a blow off. It's like, don't even ask me about fast. Start doing what's right. Oh, and your fast, they're going to be feast days. When we get to the kingdom, you're going to be celebrating, not fasting. Then chapter 8, verse 20 through 22, the, 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 the ninth miniature message or mini, uh, minor message. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall, come ye, shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. Now, before, in this third message, he's saying, I'm going to bring everybody back from the east and the west. Now, in this fourth message, he says, there's many going to be bring, being brought here. Now, this isn't going to happen uh, in 518. This is going to happen in the kingdom age. People are going to come from all the nations, not just gathering the Jews from the east and the west, but people are going to come from every nation. And then the last miniature message, uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. The Jews will, had been set up as a, you know, God says, I'll, I'll make you a, a byword in all the nations people will use you as you know derogatory comments but he says i'm going to turn that around where they're going to find the jews like here it's interesting in those days 10 middle from every nation from every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a jew what and do what to them you know and, and you know beat them up well no and say can we come with you we've heard about your lord can we come with you so instead of them being dispersed around the nations and having no homeland People are from the nation are going to go, can we come to your homeland and meet your Lord? And so, now I just point this out in case I forget. I'm reading this, as you know, in the ideal of a millennium. There's going to be a millennial kingdom. I would be premillennial in the sense that Jesus Christ, the king, has to return in order to set up the kingdom. So pre, a pre-return of the king to set up the kingdom. Post-millennial mum would be uh, you'd, most people would say you're in the millennium now and when the church conquers the world this was popular up until World War I in the western world the church is going to conquer the world and when the church has finally got everything established then the king returns because his bride has conquered the world that preached well in fact we have government policies yet in place that were set up on that principle but then World War I broke out and it's kind of like and then World War II and then it's oh it, it doesn't sell anymore. Plus, people became anti-Scripture. Uh, then there's the all-millennial idea that there is no millennium. It's just talking about the church, and the church is, in a sense, the millennium. It's the kingdom. We are in the kingdom now. Jesus is ruling and reigning now, and we are. So there's, there is a millennium, not like a literal thousand years or a literal kingdom, but we are in it right now. All-millennial, meaning no kingdom. And, and this verse right here, would be one of them that they use. All these verses can be taught in an amillennial fashion also. I, I think it's, your, I don't, obviously if I thought that was correct, I'd do it. 
Um, but here's a verse right here. In those days, which would be the church age, ten men from the nations, the Gentiles, like in Paul's ministry, of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew. Ten is the number, uh, you know, if you want it to be represented, it means complete, full number, of a Jew. Which Jew? That Jew would be Jesus. So the nations will take hold of Jesus and say, let us come into your kingdom, and there they are. And that's the you know, a rough, that's an explanation of the millennium. I think there's going to be a day when Jesus Christ comes back, lands on the Mount of Olives, you know, destroys the nation, sets up his kingdom, and, and these things take place. Okay, that's the introduction. That's, I really think that's interesting because what's unique about chapter 8 is, like, like you can see there, how many times it says, thus says the Lord, or thus says the Lord of hosts. And it's like, well, whenever you begin like that, that's almost like there's the message. But it's just repeated one right after the other of all these messages from the Lord. So it's like, is this two messages? I think it is. One about the returning exiles, and then one about the kingdom age. But then within there are a bunch of other messages. It's like, how's this go? And that's one way of putting it together. Does that make sense? Kind of, you don't have to agree with it, but that's the, what we see right there. And at least, you know, if, if you don't agree with it, at least you can see what's in there, and, and now you can start putting together how you think it should go together. Okay, chapter 8, verse 1. We'll go through the, 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 the verses now. And this would be, again, the beginning of the third message of the four in chapter 7 and 8. And it just simply says, and the word of the Lord, oh, excuse me, and the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, and the only point we're going to make there is it's missing in the formula, it's missing uh, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, it's just, it just came, it's just, you know, he, he came saying, it's like, and so that, that, that's just interesting, what's that mean? Maybe nothing, except it's just, it came and it's been preached already, it's been written down already, and Zechariah's already got a collection of messages you know you go on you know zachariah.com and he's got all of his messages on online right there with little notes for you to see and he's just taking those things out of there but nonetheless the word of the lord of hosts came saying and here it is chapter 8 verse 2 thus says the lord of hosts i am jealous for zion with a great jealousy and i am jealous for her with a great wrath the word jealous or zealous and you can see uh, this is going to be both positive and negative in, in the sense of how it responds to the person of Israel or the people of Zion. Meaning if they are in disobedience, uh, God is going to be zealous for them to correct them uh, because he doesn't want to lose his city. He doesn't want to lose his people, so he may have to discipline them. But it's going to be positive because it's going to work out. He's not going to let someone else uh, mistreat them so here's some notes on that i've got it written out it's one of the few uh boxes of the hebrew text right there on the top of page two if you just read it backwards thus says yahweh of hosts and here we see it i am zealous for zion with zeal and if you look at the hebrew right there you can see that those words i know we're not hebrew scholars and i'm not a hebrew scholar but those words i am zealous and with zeal are the same root word. You see it's close. Uh, and then the next word is great. I am zealous for Zion with a great zeal. And with fervor, there's the word fervor, great, great fervor, I am zealous, there's the word zealous again, for her. So uh, I am zealous with a great zeal, with 
a great fervor, I am zealous for her. So it says it two ways, two different times. And I just kind of break this down. And it is interesting. Uh, one, the Lord tolerates no rivals. I mean, don't, don't let anything get in the way. And this, this is, uh, uh, it, it should be taken serious. And not, you know, it's not like God's going to be abusive or destructive or he's, is any more than you think God is, you know, he wants you to sing praises and talk about how great he is and he is the great I am. It's like, yeah, don't you think he's a little over the top, a little arrogant? Doesn't he like share his, you know, want to share the glory? It's like, uh, no, no, I'm not going to share the glory because God knows in reality, in truth, he's the only one worthy of that kind of glory. It's like, well, a little egotistical, isn't he? It's like, well, he is God and so that's the correct attitude he should have. Obviously, you don't understand what I'm saying. And the same thing, when it says he's zealous or jealous, uh, well, he, he should be willing to share. He, you, know, he, you know, he should let other gods have their part too. Why is he? It's like, no, I am God. I am the great I am. And this is the people I've chosen. They're my people. And no one messes with them. In fact, they don't mess with themselves. If they don't do what's right, I will punish them because you belong here with me. And it's like, well, that sounds like a little obsessive. It's like, I mean, in human terms, yes, you can understand that's a little obsessive. But if it's God and talking about reality, it's like, no, this is the, old, the straight and narrow. This is the, the narrow path. This is the truth. These are my people. I want you. I'm very jealous. I'm very zealous. And it's with a great zeal that I've got this zealous. Okay, here it is. The Lord is zealous of his city and of his people. And here it is, those three points. He will purify with oppression. So if they're disobedient, they drift away, he'll bring in some kind of oppression, not to destroy them. It may feel like destruction, but to purify them. I will not let you go away. Um, the Lord will chastise Israel. Number two, those that he used to bring about the purification the nations he will then punish the oppressor or the lord will chastise the nations this is that cycle and number three he then in his zealousness will restore and perfect which is good news that's the that's the phase we are in the second phase of salvation we have been justified we are the children of god and now we're in that second phase where we are being sanctified. We are, we are, our minds are being renewed. We are in that phase of God's jealousness or zealousness for us. His zeal caused us to be saved. Now his zeal is causing us to mature. And if we don't cooperate, he will discipline to get you back on track. It's like, well, I, I wish he wouldn't do that. Oh, well, you wish you, he would just let you just wander off into the world? It's like, you know, he cares about you. He's going to bring you back. But the good result is he will restore and perfect. You will be glorified and brought to a place of perfection. And Israel themselves will eventually be brought to a place of restoration with the same passion and zeal that the Lord used, the same passion and zeal. You can almost see the contrast. If Jeremiah is preaching, God is zealous, God is jealous. He is going to destroy Jerusalem. That's Jeremiah's message. Why? Because God is zealous. He's jealous for Jerusalem. He will not let you go off track. You're going to get destroyed. Well, now Zacharias, on phase three of this cycle, uh, God's zealous for you. He's not going to leave you there forever. He's bringing you back. And so in 518, 
Guess what? You've been brought back. You've been gone through this period of time. Your temple's being finalized. God is going to begin to pour out. Why? Because he's jealous for you. He's got great zeal for you. The same zeal that sent you into destruction is now brought you back to restore you. So it's, it's the full cycle. So again, that verse, I mean, it should be taken serious. It, it's got the, it, it comes from both directions. Then, in the book of James, and we read through it on Sunday, you've got this verse hanging. I'm going to go back, I'm going to go to James and read the whole thing. Because, you know, you've read this before, and, you know, you've, you've you know, talked about it, or you've heard it taught, or you've tried to teach it, explain it. I know I have before. James chapter 4 uh, verse 5 <laughs> uh, yeah here I'm in the book of James look out uh, chapter 4 I'll try to stay in uh, chapter 4 verse 4 and just kind of keep in the context and this is James talking to the people he's writing to and uh, he cares about them he calls them brothers throughout but he's also correcting them. They've got some things they need to grow. They need to mature. So chapter 4, verse 4 in the NIV. You adulterous people. Now he's not talking to the Gentiles. He's talking to the people that are believers. They're Jews that are believers. Calls them brothers. He cares about them. But now he's saying, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Meaning, you're not pursuing God, you're pursuing the ways of the world. And we've talked about that on Sunday some a little bit, and we'll talk more about it. Uh, Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And now you understand what happens when you become an enemy of God. And you say, I want to go after the world and not God. Now, if you're of the world and not of God, and you go after the world, he hardens your heart blinds your eyes deafens your ears and lets you go see ya you've made your choice but you have made a choice for god you've heard the word you've responded and then you turn back to the world and that's why he says you adulterous people the world going after the world are not adulterous they're romans chapter one they're just doing what they do they're pagans but if you're a believer and you go after the world you adulterous people. Now, that's exactly what the prophets called Israel in their day when they went astray. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And you're not an enemy of God. You're a child of God. But you're acting like an enemy. Do you know what condition you're in? Remember this cycle? And then he says right here, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the Spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? wonder what that means well if you read it in zachariah right here it's like do you understand when the people of god started acting like enemies what he did his zeal drove them into destruction and then his zeal brought them back after discipline so if you're adulterous and you're going after the world do you do you do you know what's going to happen to you or do you think it says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in you envies strongly for you to be with him you're going to be with him. You are his possession, and you're going to stay with him. But it may be a long road back. So, but now, 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 hey, wait, okay, wait, wait, wait. Look at verse 6. But he gives us more grace. 
That is why scripture says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So if you're hearing this message and you realize, hey, hey, you can just take Jeremiah. You can, you can avoid this whole mess. Just, hey, come back. He's offering you grace this whole time. You're saved by grace. You return in grace. Uh, in the NIV, or the English Standard Version, I've got it written here on page 2, uh, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us? but he gives us more grace. So just like that, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but just interesting to see uh, the cycle that the, uh, the prophets were talking about, how he sent them in because of his jealousy, he sent them into captivity, where now he's bringing them back. And then James says, uh, don't you, Scripture talks about this very thing. And this would be one of the verses that James would be referring to, that the spirit that he used with the prophets in the Old Testament is the same spirit that he's using with the church. And he's going to discipline. You can see that throughout the church. So we just kind of keep that in mind. Uh, the rest of that point on one, on page two, I've got the words written out there, just I am zealous. It means to be jealous or zealous. Uh, again, jealous, you know what jealous would mean. Zealous would mean, again, you know, an energy, a passion. Uh, with zeal, the word zeal means enthusiasm, passion, zeal, jealousy. So I am zealous or I am jealous with a great enthusiasm i am zealous or jealous with a great passion that's what god is saying in this verse about zion meaning i am going to build zion because i have a great driving passion to build zion and i have a great passion to have you here so i am going and if you don't want to be here i'll take you to babylon until you want to be here and then I'm going to bring you back, and now we're both happy because you're where. It's like, if that was someone's husband talking, you'd be like, call for some backup help. But it's, it's God talking to, does that make sense? I don't want to be offensive or get you know, too crazy. Okay, chapter 8, verse 3. Thus says the Lord, this is again the, the, the second message, I have returned to Zion. Again, I had that list up here, one, two, three. He says, I have returned to Zion. Now, in 518, I am in Zion. I brought you back. Now I am here also with you. So that might be a verse we ever wonder. You know, we saw God leave the temple in, in Ezekiel's vision, whether it was chapter 7 or chapter 11, I, I forget. And, and he, he's, he's moving, we see him moving out of the temple, and then the temple's destroyed. But then we also see when Jesus died, the curtain torn, and it gives the impression the Spirit left the temple or the glory left the temple again. Uh, so when did, the t- when did the glory return? Well, right here, could be one, it, I'm presenting it as an option. I have returned to Zion. He left in Ezekiel. Well, in Zechariah right here, 8.3, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Again, this is not an eschatological verse. You see what I'm saying? That's why we've got to be careful right here. And I try to make it clear here. These are verses for 5.18, talking to the exiles. They've returned. This is not someday he's going to return. No, this is 5.18. I am jealous. I, that's why I'm bringing you back. I have returned to Zion to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Again, that's his goal. Now, that's what shall happen. That's his goal. But again, he's working with broken people. They're always going to end up in sin, and he's going to have to end them sending them away. So this right here, I think, the faithful city, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, that's what he's aiming for. It's going to move that way a little bit, but that's not going to be fully manifest until in the, the kingdom age. 
uh, point one, the Lord has returned, but it is symbolic of a greater eternal return in the future. He has returned here. He has returned at this time. But as we know, this is not permanent because 70 A.D. is going to happen. Uh, so there's a greater return coming. Uh, and the, as long as there is a sin nature, this will continue as a cycle of apostasy, punishment, restoration, apostasy, punishment, restoration, until finally it results in the kingdom. Chapter 8, verse 4. Here's another one. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. That's how old they are. They need a staff to walk with. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. And what's that about? That is the fringe of society. That's the weakest uh, part of society. And they are safe. And they are in the street. They have nothing to fear. I mean, the street's the most dangerous place. You can read, like, in Lamentations. You read Lamentations, the, the old people and the children are dead in the streets. I mean, it was not safe. Judges, it was so dangerous in the days of the judges that no one traveled in the streets. You didn't dare go out in the streets because of crime. Well, here, an old man can go out and you got any, you got any protection? It's like, no, I'm just hobbling along with a cane now we live in a society at least i live in a town where children can go out well you know we used to be able to i was gonna say me and tony go for a run we go for a walk so we're pretty old uh we don't need a cane yet uh but tony as you may know uh she's she used to run on the bike trails all the time now 62 year old woman she's like she doesn't like to go out running by herself um you go back 10, 15, 20 years, that was not, she was not concerned about that. So you can just see the change. Or children. You remember, I, I remember being a child, you know, small town, but uh, you would leave in the morning, and when the noon whistle went, you'd run home and get some lunch or something, and you'd disappear again, and your parents would not know where you were. Now, you weren't doing anything wrong. You were just off playing. They were busy. I was busy doing whatever I did. But my grandson in West Des Moines, uh, he's not in the front yard by himself. I mean, if he is, uh, someone's looking in the window while I run in the house and get a drink to come back out or whatever. It's like, you don't just say, well, you know, have fun. You, you are supervising the whole time, which is, well, that's one of these points coming up here. I'm not sure where I wrote it. Uh, point one at the bottom of page two. The elderly and the children are the most vulnerable in society, but here on the fringes of the society, the elderly and the children are totally safe, even in the streets. And we're talking about not the kingdom age. We're talking about what's going to happen after 518. It's going to be so good. And it, you're going to read the next verse. God says, this sounds too good in your eyes. Like imagine in West Des Moines saying, you know what? We got such you know, great leadership, such great police. The people have so, so civilized. Uh, they've all become Christians and are going to churches. We've had revival. We don't even have to worry about our kids. They just run the neighborhood and don't even worry about it. It's like, yeah, I'll still keep an eye on my kids. That's too amazing in my eyes to believe that. You can let your kids run the streets, but I'm going to keep an eye on my grandkids. Well, that's what they're saying. They say, yeah, Zachariah, that's, that's not going to. No, that's coming up. Uh, point two, the fourth generation devours the elderly and the infants. That's a good point right there, infants. Uh, but this is not the case in the kingdom of God or in 518. And the point three, on the top of page three, here's what I wanted to read. One of the greatest ways, and this is very humbling, 
in America in 2022, one of the greatest ways to measure the wholesomeness and the wholeness of a society is to study how they treat the elderly and the children or infants. And you can do your own little study uh, just in your mind. It's like, how are they treating the elderly? How are they treating infants and children? Uh, Oh my gosh, we sound like a fourth generation more than the coming 518 B.C., and you heard what's going on in Canada. I don't know. You know, I don't want to get into. I just, you know, the new thing in Canada. You saw the veteran. You saw that, right? The veteran that wanted a. They've now not just. I don't want to say. I shouldn't. I don't want to act like I know what I'm talking about. I just heard it in the news. So forgive me if I'm not accurate. I don't want to be spreading false information. I really don't. But it appears in Canada, if you haven't heard, that uh, um, they're not just offering assisted suicide they're like encouraging it like if you're like you know old and you know you know you're depressed it's not it's not the 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 suicide line I mean, i'm making this up now it's the it's the assisted suicide line you feel like suicide well hey call this number they'll assist you i mean it's like here we got call call for help and they're like no call will help and a, a, a veteran apparently wanted a lift put in their stairway so they got to put their wheelchair down in front they got to like go down pushing the wheelchair down their stairs in front of them as they you know scoot down it'd be so much easier if they had a lift and so they called the see they get some veterans benefits and they says well you know the thing that was suggested was well have you considered you know assisted suicide we'll just we'll just and then they started researching they found several veterans that had gone to the same process and they, they're like and, and for some people it's like you know and they even got advertisements, advertising how, you know, and how it's, what, what do you think it'd be like? Well, it'd be like, you know, seeing, you know, lots of water and, and bubbles, you know, and there's nothing to be afraid of. There's things that, you know, you just you know, look, have hope even going into, uh, it's like, and these are advertisements. And you talk about a twisted society. And that, so that is what we're saying right here. Those are just a sign. This is what God is aiming for and saying, I'm going to bless you. Your old people will be safe, even with a cane. No one's going to come up and offer them a suicide package. It's like no one's going to abduct your kids in, in 518. They're heading for a great time, and our society's heading just the opposite. So anyway, whatever that means, uh, that's interesting. Chapter 8, verse 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in response to that verse, If it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? Meaning, I know you don't have enough faith to believe it, but I know it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, it, this is not, you've got to have faith. It's like, no, you, you can't even understand this. This is so going to be so good that you can't imagine. After Babylonian captivity, coming back from having watched Babylon fall to the Persians and having lived in the land for this since, you know, 536 and all the chaos and opposition, and now I'm telling you, your kids are going to be able to run in the streets safely, your old people are going to be able to walk up and down the streets, and you're saying, It'll ne- it's too dangerous out there. It's too marvelous in your sight. Well, I'll tell you what, not in my eyes. It's going to happen. And that's that next verse. And I write these things. These promises seem too good to be true in 518. And the people wonder how. Time between the dangerous return, 538, until the prophets Hagee and Zechariah arrived had been economically hard and physically hard. Uh, it had not been safe. So to make this kind of promise to the people seemed impossible. 
And that's exactly what's taking place. Chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. And that again is talking. You say, oh, that's in the future. Yes, in a greater sense, but this is 5.18. This is a contemporary message for the prophet Zechariah speaking in 5.18. Haggai is saying the same thing. We've got that recorded uh, in chapter 2, verse 19, I think. It's coming up here. Uh, saying the same thing. And here it is. Uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets. So he's saying to the 518 generation, be strong. Let your hands be strong. You've got work to do. Don't be hiding. Don't be thinking we can't get it done. Get your hands strong and get out there and get started because if you touch it, I'm going to bless it. If you build it, it's going to go. I will get it done. Uh, and uh, thus says, you can hear right here, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets, who from the present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. So the foundation was laid here, and you've been hearing this message all the way until here, and even especially when even Ezra talks about Haggai and Zechariah began to encourage them to do this. So they were here for this purpose, and people are saying the same thing, and finally these prophets show up, and they've heard that message from the prophets, uh, that the temple might be built, and I've got that all detailed right there. Chapter 8, verse 10, For before those days, before the days of Haggai and Zechariah, there was no wage. For, this is what the people are used to. There was no wage for man or any wage for beast. Now, whatever that means, it means the beast had no bend. They could work, but you still couldn't feed them. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't take care of the animal. You could just work, use the animal, but you couldn't take care of the animal. So the animal, you know, it just wear down. So the people wore down, the animals wore down. Uh, neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. So if you went out to the store, went out into the streets, there's no safety. You don't know what's going to happen. It's not worth going to the store. That's what they're used to. For I set every man against his neighbor. That's the way it was in the land before the exiles came back. That's what they've been fighting and trying to recover from during this whole time. But now in 518... Verse chapter uh, 8, verse 11. But now, speaking 5.18, I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. Things are change, changing. And I've, I've got that verse. Oh, I just missed it. Point 3, right above that. There was no prosperity until 5.18. Haggai 2.19 on December 18th, 5.20. We've studied this. It's dated in Haggai. Is is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing in the past. Uh, before December 18th, 520. Uh, but from this day on, I will bless you. So I said 518. That was Haggai saying it in 520. Zechariah is repeating it in 518. Things are going to start changing. Uh, chapter 8, verse 11. But now I will not deal with this remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. Uh, chapter 8, verse 12. For there shall be sowing of peace. The vine shall give its fruit, and, uh, and the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. In other words, things are going to be productive, and the remnant that's returned, that will be yours. And as for you, 
excuse me, and as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so shall I, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, as I purpose to bring disaster on you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, as I promised to bring disaster to these people, and I did not relent, I didn't change my mind, I did it, says the Lord of hosts, so again I have purposed in these days, 518, to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah, fear not, or I will not relent, it's going to happen. So that's pretty clear what he's saying there. Now, uh, chapter, on page 4, and we can finish this tonight, I think. Uh, what we just read in chapter 8, verses 14 through 15, that describes what God is going to do. He's going to do it. He, he promised. Now, chapter 8, verse 16 through 17, this is the final portion of this third message. What we just saw was what God will do. He told you, I'm going to do this. Now, the people... The next two verses are what the people, if you're going to live in this society, I'm bringing you back, I'm establishing you, it's going to be safe in the streets, whatever you, pr- you plant, it's going to grow, and I'm giving all the produce to you. You got it? It's going to happen. You say you can't believe it, it's too amazing, you don't need to have faith, I'm going to do it. It's, you can't even understand it, I'm going to do this. Now, chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, these are what the people are going to have to if you're going to live in this society that i'm giving you if you're going to break this cycle of of sinning when good things happen and i have to punish you again this is what you're going to have to chapter 8 verse 16 through 17 these are the things that you shall do in other words this is there's not a big old law given to them there's not like you know all these things and all that they've got to follow. They've already got the law of Moses, but he sums it all up. The reason you got in trouble in the first place was you didn't do these things. Number one, speak the truth to one another. Now, when I read this, uh, you, can, you can think biblically, you know, what's going on in 518, but also think America, 2022. Think of yourself, your friends, people at work, people in your church. Think about your community leaders. Think about your national leaders. Think about your institutions, your universities, your public schools, your media, Hollywood, your entertainment. If you're going to live in God's blessing, 518, he just says, I'm going to do it. Now, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render, your, render in your gates judgments that are true. And that would be justice. The gates are where they would meet. That was where, you know, that would be like the community markets and people would have, they'd come in and trade would take place, but they'd also have court settings there. Uh, you can see Book of Ruth, a classic example where they had buy a field. Uh, we can still see in certain gates, you can still, I've seen them, places where the benches were that people would sit and gather. Uh, Oh, a lot of times there'd be like in days of the, they'd fall away, there'd be the gods would be there. There'd be like an image to the gods. And they, when they come into the city, they'd burn some incense to the God that blessed the city and be like paying homage to the God of the city. That was all taking place in the city gates. And so that's where the judgment would take place. So it says right there, render in your gates judgments that are true. 
and ours would be, and again, that's, that's interesting because previously we talked about just general population being just and true and, and making good decisions. This is not talking about general population. This is clearly talking about leadership because not everybody went down to the city gate. That's where the elders made, you know, governmental or social decisions. And make for peace. So whatever you can do, you want peace. You've got God says, I'm giving you peace in your community in 518. Now, keep working for that. Keep working with each other. Stay in harmony. Don't, don't mess this up. And you can do that by, verse 17, do not devise evil in your hearts. Devise evil, or we could say, I've got another way of saying it there, uh, plan, uh, how did I write it? Uh, planning evil or plotting. Yeah, plotting is a better way. Pl- plotting to take advantage. In other words, when you go out into, you know, imagine this, going off into the marketplace, going off into, you know, business, uh, whatever. And I, I, what's good for everybody? What, what, what do you need? It's like, let's make this equal win-win situation. This would be, instead of plotting evil, this is not like, ha I'm going I'm to burn their house down. <laughs> that, that'd be like, now you're, you're really extreme. This would be, we're going to go have a business deal. I'm going to see how, how much can I take advantage of this situation for myself. I'm plotting evil, plotting to take advantage of the situation. Instead of saying, okay, here's what you want, here's what I want. Okay, we're both happy. I'm as interested in you succeeding as I am in myself. Do not plot evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. And that would be lying or in this context right here, uh, breaking a contract, you know, some kind of deception, a business deal, a, a, a switch and bait type, a contracts, promises. So I'll just say keep oaths or keep promises. So that is, you know, don't lie. So speak truth, justice, Seek peace. Everybody's working together. Uh, don't plot evil. Don't try to take advantage of someone. And uh, don't deceive people. That's, that's what, that is what God is asking. He already says, this is what I'm going to do. Now this is what you need to do. And again, that's what the prophets are. That's the message of this right here. That's what they need to do. Obviously, it'd be nice if we could do that. And that'd be a, that, if you take anything away, that's here. One thing, I, I've talked about this a little bit before, but I'm, I'm at a place you know, in my own life as I'm looking at you know, the left and the right, you know, the progressives and the conservatives. And it's like, like I said on Sunday, it's like, that's all in a box. You know, that the, you can listen to, like, we talked about uh, some talk show hosts, some of the great conservative talk show hosts. And I like them. They're, they have great insight into our world today. And I agree with them. But they got into a conversation about the Bible and how confusing it is when people read it literally. It's like it's not to be read literally. It's 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 a it's a go it's a moral book. It's it's stories with, it's like they're fables and they're targets and it's like whoa, and that's that's my conservative group, and they're 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 they don't really believe that te- oh they believe that useful. It's like that that now you've just become in my sense you know I can't listen to that. That's I disagree with that, and eventually. They're going to they're gonna continue to lead, but they're in a box. They can't get you to the place of true deliverance because they can only solve social issues, which, again, that's what we would like. 
But you've got to embrace the fact that there is a God, there is Jesus Christ, there was a real Adam, there is a real history, there's a real return of Christ. These are not just metaphors for be a good person. This is, this is as real, this is more real than your reality. This is more real than your government. And, uh, and I can see the day coming where all of a sudden the left and the right, it's like, I'm not on either side. And I, I'm, I'm a conservative today, but I can see that getting to a place where it's like, uh, and what do we do? How do we live in a, a fallen society like this? Well, right here, you speak truth, or I speak truth. Uh, I'm going to be true and fair in my justice. I'm going to try to keep peace, you know, and also speak the truth. Don't plan to take advantage of people. Continue to try to help people, you know. Even though they may be taking advantage of you, you know, you don't want to get burnt, but it's like you're still looking out for other people. And don't break contracts. Don't, don't lie. It's like, now, are you left or right? No, no, I'm, I'm following Christ. I'm, I'm, because I'm, this is the way, in 518, Yahweh is back in the city. You've got Yahweh back in the city. I'm here. He tells them. Now, this is who he is. Now, if you're going to live in my city, I need you speaking truth. I need you being just, seeking peace. Don't be trying to take advantage of each other. And don't be lying and breaking contracts. And now it's like, why? Because that's, Jesus is in the city, or the Lord is in the city. And if you're going to violate this, he can't, you can't live in the city with him anymore. It'll be right back into some kind of exile. Okay, the fourth section now, folks, on the coming of the kingdom of God. And should I do this? I mean, it's, it's not, yeah, I'm going to quit. My wife would tell me to quit, and I should listen to her. Uh, and the word of the Lord of the hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth month, and I've got all the details, what they represent there in that box, shall be, on the, be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feast. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. This is going to lead you to the kingdom. And your question about fasting, if you do this, fasting is over, it's festival time. You don't need to worry. And that's going to take place ultimately in the kingdom of God. So that's their answer right there. Do this. Stop worrying about fasting. If you'll, I've come back. We're rebuilding the city. I'm going to build it. I'm going to bless it. You do this, you'll never have to fast again. There could be celebrations. You won't even look back, oh, woe is us. No, we're just, we're celebrating. Chapter 8, verse 20. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come, even inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself have go- am going. This is now into the fourth message of the three of the four, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. There are people are going to be coming around the world. Isaiah talks about it. Jesus talks about it. Uh, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem to entreat the favor of the Lord. In other words, what does he know? He knows what's going on. He knows how the world works. He created it. We want to know what he knows. And he'll, the knowledge will be filled, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, chapter 8, verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. They'll go to that Jew and say, "Tell, take us back to your city. They're not going to just be a, a byword and a scorn, but it's like we want to be part of your city, of what you're doing, and that is part of, that's describing, those last verses are describing the millennial kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I write this at the end, the answer to the dele- delegation, 
but that was asking about fasting was this you need to be holy in character ultimately these days of fasting will be celebrations when the lord's pr- a process is complete so until then cooperate and be holy today as we work towards that future and that is uh, chapter 8 and first, chapter 9 we'll get into chapter 10 and the rest of the book because it, it now separates again chapter 10 now is uh excuse me chapter 9 now begins a new section of the book basically what you got left in the book is the messiah is going to come be rejected the messiah is going to come a second time and be received and that's the rest of the book i'll pray and we're done father do thank you for the chance to look into these things we thank you for your word we ask that we would find direction and encouragement from it and that the spirit of god would continue to open our eyes and strengthen us that we may be people of god today at this time in history as we look forward to your return in jesus name we pray amen thank you for being here